All right, hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. But we just wanted you to know that we're so glad that you've chosen to join us today. And once again, welcome. Now today what we're doing is we're going into part three of our new series, which is entitled More of You, God. And what we're crying out for is more of God, more of God the Father, more of God the Son, and more of God the Holy Spirit whom he's given us in Jesus' name. And so today what we're doing is we're going to focus on this statement, that we will have more of the Holy Spirit when we allow Jesus to expand our minds about who he is through his word. We're going to break the message down into three parts today. We're going to talk first about passion for God. Secondly, we're going to talk about the power of God. And then we're finally, we're going to talk about the purpose of that power. So before we do anything else, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today. And we thank you that you've given it to us so that through Christ, your son, and the spirit of truth who you've given us, you might show us not only who you are, but how to walk with you in our times for your pleasure and for your glory. God, we're asking you that you would do that today by the encouragement of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so first let's talk about passion for God. We all know that if God is exactly who he said he is, we need to worship him and give him the honor and the glory that he deserves as he desires. Now, the thing about it is, is that when you really come to Christ, there is something transformed in your heart, your mind, and your soul where you're never the same again. When you're never the same again, and I'm saying that not only to people who, like myself, did not grow up in the church, but also for people who grew up in the church, but maybe at some point in their lives had an experience much like the Methodist church founder, John Wesley, when he said, my heart became strangely warmed as I came to know Christ and his resurrection power in a brand new way. And once you really meet Jesus... Not just hear about Jesus, but you meet him, you're never the same. And what that produces in you is a passion for God, where when we are crying out in the series, God, we want more of you, that becomes a daily cry. And it's something that we can really be uh, reignited with day by day, that passion that we have for God. And in the scripture, not, um, uh, we see people who met Jesus after his resurrection through the proclamation of the gospel, through the preaching of the word of God, people came into a reconciled relationship with the living God. And then they began to be set on fire to fulfill his purposes of making his kingdom and even his person known. And one of those people was a man named Apollos who had great passion for God, great passion for God. And as a natural response to meeting Jesus and having that passion for the resurrected Christ, he began to tell the world about him. And we see this in Acts chapter 18, where we pick up today. Acts chapter 18, starting in verse 24, it said this, now a Jew named Apollos. And what you need to understand is that uh, contrary to much of the misinformed uh, thoughts of history, many and the majority of the first Christians were Jewish. Why? Because they had received Jesus as the Messiah. 
They looked at the Hebrew scriptures that predicted for hundreds of years, created a URL address of what the Messiah, the Savior of not only the Jewish people, but the whole world would look like. And they saw every one of those predictions fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ, talking about his birth, the family to whom he would be born, where he would be born, how he would live, his miracles, his sinless life, his sacrificial death on the cross, and resurrection from the dead, according to the Hebrew Scriptures. And so many of the Jews, when they heard about Jesus, his life, his miracles, his death, burial, and resurrection, they put their faith, their trust in Jesus, and became Christians. Because they were saying, listen, he is the fulfillment of all that we've been waiting for. He's the fulfillment of all that we've been waiting for. And one of these Jews was a man named Apollos, a native of Alexandria who came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, the scripture says, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, speaking about Jesus, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila, who themselves were Jewish of Jewish heritage, heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And, he, when, and when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he, meaning Apollos, arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews who didn't yet believe in Jesus in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. And so we see this man, Apollos, who had been instructed in the scripture, the Hebrew scriptures, saw that they pointed to Jesus the Christ, and then because of his encounter with God, the living God, the second person of the Trinity, in Jesus the Son, he began to fervently speak about Jesus, about his life, his miracles, his death, his resurrection. He began to be a witness for Jesus, giving testimony to who he was. But that's not it. What we see is that the scripture clearly says, though he had passion for Jesus, he was fervent in spirit, is what the scripture says, and taught the, accurately the things concerning Jesus. It says something very interesting in verse 25, where it says, though he was fervent in spirit, he knew only the baptism of John. Now, what is that referring to? Well, if you look at the Gospels of Jesus, you see that the forerunner of Jesus and his earthly ministry was his earthly lineage cousin named John the Baptist. And John the Baptist came preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, saying that the world, not only the Jewish people, but the whole world had gone astray, had been living in sin and rebellion to the commands of God whether it be in drunkenness, sexual immorality, whether it be in lying, thievery, scheming, whether it be in adultery or all types of 
uh, violence and wickedness. God said that that was wrong. He was going to have to judge it, but he sent his messenger, John the Baptist, to preach to the people, to turn back to God away from those sins in repentance and show their repentance through the baptism in water that they would experience. And what was that baptism? That baptism in water was basically a sign. It was a ceremonial washing within the culture. And it was a sign that you were turning away from your wrongdoing and through your immersion in water, you are being buried to your old way of life and then rising up with the cleansing that comes from God to live in a different way. And so when Apollos understood the scriptures and he knew that they all pointed to Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, who they were waiting for, who was to come, he received that and more than likely, according to the scripture, knew the baptism of John, meaning that he repented, turned away from his sin, and actually got baptized, baptized into the name of Jesus Christ. That's actually what Jesus said to do whenever he left his great commission to the disciples. He said, go into all the world and um, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. More than likely, what it's saying here is that uh, Apollos had been instructed in the way of Jesus and was teaching about Jesus accurately, but he knew only that baptism of repentance. Well, why is that significant? Well, because whenever we started this series, we talked about another baptism that Jesus spoke about. And he said, John the Baptist baptized you with water. If you remember this in Acts chapter 1, he said, but in a few days, you are going to be baptized, immersed in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was going to empower those who were immersed in him to be witnesses of Jesus to the ends of the earth. So we see that when Priscilla and Aquila, who were traveling companions with the Apostle Paul and supported him as he preached the good news of Jesus to the world by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we see that when they met this Apollos, they had great passion for Jesus, but knew only the baptism of John, only the baptism of repentance, they said, let me explain the way of God to you more adequately. And they opened the scriptures to him and continued to talk to him about more of God that God wanted to bring into Apollos's life. And what we see is that that passion had added to it power so that as a result of their Priscilla and Aquila's ministry to Apollos, speaking not just about John's baptism, but another, it said that he was able to powerfully refute those who opposed the gospel in public, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ, was the Christ. And so what happened is, is that power was added to Apollos' passion so that he could become an effective witness. And my question is, for you today, do you have passion alone, or do you have passion with power that comes from the Holy Spirit? Now, you might say to yourself, well, 
I thought whenever I came to Christ, I got exactly what I needed. I got all that I needed in God. Well, let me submit this to you that even in the apostles' life with Jesus and their three and a half years of earthly walking with Jesus in the flesh, they, they had the up-close and personal experience. You want to talk about master classes. Maybe over the course of the pandemic, some of you have taken some master classes, maybe learning how to shoot like Steph Curry, learning how to act like your favorite actor or actress, learning how to speak or debate or run a business like Bob Iger of Disney. But what here, here's the thing. They had the ultimate master class by being able to walk with Jesus in the flesh. But still yet, even after their three and a half years prior to Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus told those same disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they received the gift that the Father promised, who was the Holy Spirit, who was going to immerse them, baptize them in power. And so the question that I have for you is, is do you have passion for God, but could it be that you need more of the power of God to be a witness by the power of the Holy Spirit, by being immersed in the Holy Spirit to be a witness for Jesus? Think about it. How many times have you known and been with God before, even in your morning times of devotion, being with God in times of the word or in prayer or even in worship prior to going out into your workday. And in your workday, you know you're surrounded by colleagues, friends, and co-workers who don't yet know the Lord and you, you have passion for Jesus and know that they need to know Jesus, but you can never really get up the gumption to express that good news to them. Even have moments where they're talking about the brokenness of their family members, their friends, and the, the, how hard life has been over this past year and a half. But there's still something, there's like this block inside of you. Though you have passion for Jesus, you need a power that's going to enable you to open your mouth and declare his word to publicly be a witness like Apollos. That's even what we saw with the Apostle Peter, that right at the time of Jesus' betrayal by Judas and before his crucifixion, Peter, the Apostle, though he had walked with Jesus, though he'd seen his miracles, though he'd even been sent out by Jesus to perform healings and drive out demons, at the time of Jesus' arrest, denied the Christ three times until the day of Pentecost when he was changed into a different man by the power of the Holy Spirit, by being immersed in the Holy Spirit so that he would have power to be a witness. And could it be that that's something that God wants to give you more of himself in this time? Power to be a witness. That not only would you have passion, but you would move from passion to power to being a witness through your interaction with the third person of the Trinity, the person of the Holy Spirit. Well, if we continue to read in Acts chapter 19, following that account of Apollos, we see a group of disciples who experience this very thing. And it said in verse 1 of chapter 19, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, the apostle, 
passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. There he found some disciples, meaning that these people that Paul encountered were already followers of Jesus. They were already patterning their lives after Jesus' teaching, thus the definition of a disciple. And he, meaning Paul, said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So that's another indicator of where they were before God. Not only were they called disciples, but they were believers. And when we know and we study theology, we understand that we are saved by grace through faith. And so these believers were a saved bunch. They had put their trust in Jesus and his atoning work. They had put their trust in Jesus Christ and his substitutionary work at the cross, saving them from their sins and washing them clean, forgiving them of their uh, wrongdoing and reconciling them to God through the cross. These were believers who believed the good news of the gospel, the G that Jesus was, in fact, Lord. But Paul had the audacity to ask them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? To which they answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, this is more common in our churches than we realize. Because we're quick to talk about God the Father... We are absolutely quick to embrace Jesus the Son, but oftentimes we treat the person of the Holy Spirit as some sort of distant cousin or uncle that nobody really understands, nobody really knows how to relate with, nobody knows what they do, and we don't want to really talk about. But Paul made it a point to say, part of this kingdom, what is a priority to God, is that you would not only know God the Father and be reconciled to Him through Jesus the Son, but you would know the person of the Holy Spirit. So he asked them in verse 3, verse 3 he said, Into what then were you baptized? Into what then were you immersed? And they said, Into John's baptism, same thing that Apollos experienced in the verses before. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, according to Jesus' own command in Matthew 28. And it said in verse 6, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. And so, all of a sudden, we see that Paul said, let me to you, like Aquila and Priscilla did for Apollos, let me explain to you the way of God more accurate, um, accurately so that you have not only a passion for God as a disciple and as a believer, but that you can also mix that passion with the power that Jesus promised. 
And Paul said, not only did, you, did he baptize them in water for repentance in the name of Jesus, but then he laid hands on them so that the Holy Spirit could come on them and immerse them in the power that Jesus spoke of in Acts chapter 1. And what was the result? That when they were immersed in that power, the power of God was released through them. So they did at least two things. They began to speak in tongues, which was a heavenly language, a prayer language of not only communication, but praise to God. And then number two, they began to prophesy. They began to hear things from God and declare the truths and the realities of God that point those around them to Jesus. Thus the definition of prophesying. And so we see that through the baptism of not just water, but in the Holy Spirit, through Paul laying his hands on them and praying for them, they were immersed in the power of God. So they too were able to transition from a place of passion in God to power in God. Power in God. They were released in the power of God, being able to do things supernaturally by the power of and the person of the Holy Spirit to ultimately glorify God and spread his kingdom. So ultimately, this gives us begs a question. If we all have passion for God when we become believers, but we know God has power for us, more power for us, what is the purpose of that power? What is that what is the purpose of that power? Well, what these believers were released in is something called spiritual gifts. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14, I encourage you to read that. In Ephesians chapters 4 and 5, and in 1 Peter chapter 4, we see God talking about gifts of the Holy Spirit which are power gifts to be used for the advance of his kingdom. Things that believers were enabled to do by the person of the Holy Spirit to point to the reality of who Jesus is as the Christ. When people are talking about things like prophesying, the Old Testament prophets obviously prophesied and predicted things that were yet to come. But they also prophesied about the Messiah himself who was to come and be the Savior of the world. The purpose of the gift of God with the prophets in the Old Testament was to point to the coming Christ, the coming Messiah. In the New Testament, the prophetic word of the Lord, according to that Corinthian scripture, was to strengthen, encourage, and comfort the believers that God is who he said he is in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that Jesus' redeeming work would be a completed one in them and through them. And then by prophesying, it was a testimony to the unbelieving world that God, in fact, 
was not only real and alive, but all-knowing and able to meet with them, know them, and bring them to himself. You see, the power of God was available to testify to the reality of who Jesus is and what he had done. It was the purpose of the power was to encourage the believers. That's even what the gift of tongues was for, according to Corinthians 14, was to edify or build up the believers in their faith, not knowing what they ought to pray for. God gave them a heavenly language to pray things that were on God's mind and heart himself. And he partnered with them, enabling them to pray in the Holy Spirit and build themselves up in God and then prophesy the things of God to encourage those around them, both believers, and testify to unbelievers alike. Now, why do I say testify to even unbelievers? Well, when Corinthians 14 talks about the fact that if people are prophesying and you're in their midst, the people who were even unbelievers prior to that time will fall on their knees and cry out, my goodness, God is truly among you. Why? Because God's showing that he knows all, he sees all, and then ultimately everyone will be accountable before him. That's also uh, the purpose of things like gifts of healing, where God is showing his compassion to a needy and a broken world, where God is working miracles on behalf of those who are desperately in need of them. When God is, by his authority, driving out demons, allowing people to discern between different types of spirits that are at work in people's lives, and then by his authority in the name of Jesus, drive them out of people to see people set free. See, all of these gifts that were spoken about were manifested to point to the resurrected Christ. That's why Jesus said, signs and wonders will follow the preaching of the word. And so when the believers come and they're baptized, immersed in his Holy Spirit, it's the, for the purpose of showing who God is. I, even as an example, when I came to the Lord, prior to coming to the Lord, part of how I knew that Jesus was the Christ and that he was alive and well, that he was alive and real, was I remember going to a church service, not when I, when I was in high school, before being a churchgoer. And I remember this girl that I was dating. We were doing all types of immoral things together. But this girl wanted me to go to church nonetheless because she had grown up in church herself. And I said, you know, I'm not really interested in that, but so that we can do what we want to do, uh, I'll go with you and then we'll, we'll do our thing. So I went with this girl to this church service, and at that church service, there was a man of God who was prophesying. And in the midst of that prophesying, though I was an unbeliever at that time, he basically, in essence, read my mail and was prophesying to the parents of this girl to be, <laughs> for lack of a better word, be warned about my interaction with her. And I, know, I knew all the things that he was saying were true. 
And it convicted me by the Holy Spirit, striking the fear of the Lord in me. And I knew I felt exposed in that moment, but I also felt like there was a God who had his eye on me and was targeting me to bring me to himself. And when I got to the college campus in the same way, a completely different man working by the same power of the Holy Spirit had several words of knowledge for me, much like Jesus with the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, telling me specific things about my present and past life and how God himself was making himself known to me so that I might be brought to the cross of Christ. And when those powerful testimonies came, the purpose of that power was realized where my heart and my eyes were open to the living God so that I might, in fact, turn to him and actually give my life to him in repentance and faith, receiving John's baptism, the baptism of repentance, and then come into a living, dynamic relationship with God. That is the purpose of the power. So it wasn't just enough that I saw friends around me who had a passion for Jesus. It wasn't just enough that I saw people around me who had themselves experienced the power of God. But when that power of God was shared with me, it opened my mind and heart to understand the scripture. And then therefore, my life was reconciled to God through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit itself. And that's what God wants to use his people to do today. Power, give them power to be a witness to fulfill his purposes. Now, you might ask yourself, well, what am I supposed to do if I want to go from a place of just having a passion for God to being to actually being filled with his power? Well, here's the good news. Even if you've been a disciple for years, well, let me back up a little bit. First, if you do not know God, but you know you need the power of God to transform your life, we're going to pray at the end of the service so that you can come into repentance and faith in Jesus and be made a new man or a new woman today. But secondly, if you have already been a believer for years, like Apollos, passionate, like these disciples in Acts chapter 19, and you say, God, I want more of you. All you simply have to do is pray and ask. Why? Because Jesus himself said, listen, if your fathers, though they be evil, know how to give good gifts to you, their children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And so what you can do is just like this. You can either go to a believer who you know operates in the power of God. In our church services, we love to lay hands on people and pray for you. But even in this virtual space, you can cry out to the living God today and say, God, immerse me, fill me afresh with the power of your Holy Spirit so that the power of God might not only transform my life, but move through my life in signs, wonders, and miracles so that I might testify to not only Jesus' life, but his death, burial, and resurrection from the dead. And as you do that, study the scripture I refer to. 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, Ephesians 4 and 5, 1 Peter chapter 4, and then come at the first weekend in October, we're going to have a spiritual gifts training where you can learn how to activate and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. We invite you to that. You can get into the purple book and study the word of God and cry out, God, 
Fill me with your power that I might be a witness for you and ultimately fulfill your purpose of making you known. And if you have a desire for that, God will meet you right there. He is pleased to give you the kingdom. And as you look to him day by day to be filled with his spirit, as you go into your workplace, as you go into your family life, as you go around your friends and your neighbors and your community, the power of the Holy Spirit will work through you. But you have to look to him for him to work through you. You've got to look to him and pay attention to his leadings and his guidings so that you might step out in faith to lay your hands on the sick. Or if he speaks something to you, prophesy to those who need his strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. But as you do, I tell you, by God's own precedent and by the testimony of real-time words, God will meet you in that place and use you mightily by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so let's end today by praying, saying, God, we want more of you. We want to have more passion for you, more zeal. God, we want more of your power. And God, we want to walk in your purpose by the person and power of your Holy Spirit to fulfill your kingdom advancement in Jesus' name. And if that's you, I want to first pray for my brothers and sisters today. And God, I pray that you would fill my brothers and sisters afresh with the power of your Holy Spirit. That just like Apollos, for those who've been even passionate about you, God, you would take them deeper into your word. God, for those who understood uh, that they were disciples and they believed all that they've been taught, but they hadn't really ever heard about the Holy Spirit. God, we pray that you would explain who you are and the power of who you are to them today, that they might step out in faith and receive from you the power that you have for them. And that as they are filled, I pray that you would enable them to be powerful witnesses of your resurrection life. That many through their testimony, might become believers and disciples in Jesus' name. God, would you fill people today, even as we pray together in this virtual space, in Jesus' name, amen. And now, for the rest of you, if you say, you know what, I want that, but I know that I need to get right with God first. If you know that you need to come to Jesus and submit your life to Him for the very first time, would you pray this final prayer with me? Almighty God, I admit that you're powerful, real, and true. And I ask you to forgive me my wrongdoings today. I admit to you I'm a sinner. I know I deserve death and hell, but I don't want it. And I'm asking you, I'm asking you that through Jesus' sinless life, death on the cross, burial and resurrection from the dead, that you would not only forgive me my sins, but make me a new creation. I proclaim Jesus my Lord and ask you to teach me how to love you as you've loved me from this point forward in Jesus' name, amen. Now the good news is, is if you prayed that prayer, God said he's made you a new creation. So would you go with me to our website, secondcitychurch.com slash new life. There you can find not only resources, but next steps of how to walk out this new life by the power of the Holy Spirit that you might be passionate for him, living in his power, and ultimately for his purposes, glorifying Jesus' son. 
We're going to continue to talk about these matters in our community groups this week. So if you've not yet found one, please do go to our website where you can find both in-person and virtual options. We'll be praying for you, so let us know how we can be standing with you. And also think about how you can share this link with others who also need to be spurred on by the grace of God towards them. Uh, do invite those same people with you to our service next week. And until then, have a wonderful week in the Lord. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you soon.